0: I think you hire the best, the best leader, and I think time has proven that that will work. But you have to have somebody that can lead the program, has a vision of how they're going to play, how the team's going to play, and how they're going to win. And I, I mean, you just look through the league, and like Sean McDermott, I say he's excellent. I think we all know the work Bill Belichick has done, Mike Tomlin, Mike Rabel, Pete Carroll. You just go down the list of, I mean, Ron Rivera has been a heck of a head coach in this league, but all of them have you know, not only the defensive vision you want, but they have a vision for the team and how they want to play. And I think Matt has that. I think Matt has a vision, you know, of how, of how he wants the team
2: to play. That was the voice of Chris Ballard, Indianapolis Colts general manager, one of the more well-respected guys in the league. Of course, Ballard was here in Chicago for quite a long time. He was on with Parkins and Spiegel. Oh, I'm sorry. He was on with Mully and Hall this morning. Right, studs? Is that what it was? Yeah, from uh, from Mully and Hall this morning uh, before the press conference happened. But Mully and Hall had him on, and they were talking to him specifically about Matt Eberfuss and, and what he brings to the table. and. Chris Ballard certainly sounded very impressed with uh, with Eberflus and what his potential is as a head coach. Uh, if I heard correctly, I don't even think he mentioned like John Harbaugh, <laughs> one of the most tenured coaches in the NFL. He's not some offensive guru. He's a special teams coach, you know, before getting the Ravens head coaching job. Mike Vrabel, you know, just had the, the number one seed in the AFC. I don't think he mentioned Vrabel on that list of, of non-offensive guru, Vunduken-type coaches right now, and you know, these are guys who have won with uh, with a variety of quarterback types, and and Sean McDermott obviously leading the way in Buffalo. Now he's just lost his uh, his offensive coordinator, of course, and Brian Dayball. So we'll see. Uh, I I don't have the anticipation that Josh Allen's just going to fall off a cliff because the Bills have had to replace their OC, but. We shall see. I mean, you know, Allen already got his money. That that check has been cut by Buffalo, so we'll see what the Bills end up doing here. But point being, there, there's not only one way to skin that cat. I think a, a lot of folks get really focused on the fact that Justin Fields going into year two. That the the notion that you need a head man who knows how to develop a quarterback. It's so a whole lot of head men who who you know have have been viewed as offensive guys who come in and flame out very quickly because they are not great head coaches. Uh, I've Talked about before, Marty Mornhinweg being the, the head coach of my time in Detroit, he'd been around a lot of great quarterback play, working under Bill Walsh and, and Steve Mariucci and and uh, and a whole lot of people from that West Coast Bill Walsh tree who knew about quarterback play, who had great offensive systems, and of course here in Chicago with the Bears. We just got done. The, the Bears just fired a guy who was one of these hot, young offensive names that came out of Kansas City, and Matt Nagy did not work out as a head coach. And I did find it noteworthy that uh, that, that was something I thought it was great. It was a whole lot of really good questions today, unsurprisingly, from the, the collective Chicago media. And that was one thing that even got asked there today, just specific to Ryan Poles and the process he went through and him being in Kansas City previously with Matt Nagy. And Ryan Poles said, yeah, I spoke to Matt Nagy. I wanted to talk to him about how he messed up, (laughs) you know, get the lay of the land and what went well, what didn't go well. And I I appreciated him being forthright about that. He didn't go into detail about it, but he admitted, yeah, I I spoke to Matt Nagy. I was very curious what things were like in Chicago. And, you know, apparently Matt Nagy didn't, didn't put the kibosh on things to any extent that Ryan Poles wasn't willing to accept this job. But now I know we got a lot of our, our beloved football nerds on the, on the station here, whether it's Bernstein or Parkins or, whomever else that are really worried about if if a guy sounds too coachy or or too footbally or you know whether or not there's there's going to be like this offensive mind that's got all the greatest schemes in the world to come in here and and take justin fields to the next level give me a leader give me a guy who can who can who can handle the big whistle and i think it would have been nice maybe to have more of a proven commodity in that but uh, I certainly didn't hear anything today from Matt Eberflus that gives me the impression that he's not capable of that. So let, let's hear directly from the man himself. And I'd like to, to get some of your thoughts also, Stubbs. But let's get the opening statement out of the way directly from the man they call Flus uh, from some of the things he shared about why he came here and what he wants the Bears to look like as he's leading the way.
3: And the foundational
2: pieces are
3: hustle, effort. We're going to be an effort-based team. Okay, that's the number one piece. And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance that are going to be detailed. Every single rep, every single practice, every single game, it's going to be an effort based team. So that's the H part, okay, to our HITS principle, okay? The next thing is the I. The I is intensity. We will play with maximum intensity. That's focus, okay, mental focus and intensity, but also physical focus and intensity. The toughness we're talking about for the Chicago Bears, it's a hitting physical style, offense, defense, kicking. So that's going to be the second foundational piece. And we'll measure those. We have ways to measure them and be very detailed with those. The next T is taking care of the ball and taking the ball away. It's all about the ball. It's all about the ball. That's the most important thing for winning and losing is taking the ball away and protecting the football. So that's the T. And then the last one is S, okay, is being smart, situational players so smart is really being what no pen no stupid penalties make sure we're squared away with the penalties should be in the top five every year in penalties okay the next thing is situations okay being great in red zone third down two minute okay backed up and being smart situational players so hustle intensity Taking care of the football, taking it away, and being smart situational players. Those will be the foundational pieces that we can measure. And I'm excited about getting to work with the coaches, okay? Once we get our coaching staff in here and developing that with the coaches, okay? And also developing it with the players.
2: Yeah. Dude sounds like a football coach. What's he supposed to sound like? That's, I don't completely get what the expectation was from Matt Eberflus taking the podium today. I mean, you know, I, I respect the fact that, that the guys at the station here overall are, are still willing to, you know, they're just kind of saying they're reserving their judgment, but they hear him talking about football principles and talking about toughness and, and energy and hustle and all these things, things that are requirements to play football at a high level <laughs> you're like dad and daddy and I think speaks is trying like speaks is trying to kind of you know see if he can turn up the the footballiness and the the meatheadness a, l- a little bit to accept it. So I, I respect the effort that he seems to be making with it, but I, I don't know what they're expecting to hear from a football coach. Like there was the hard knocks clip that you know was just circulating because today was the the first opportunity for folks to hear directly from Eberflus as Bears coach. So you know he got Tanny and, and other guys at the station out there. All right, let's let's go to because the Colts were. We're the featured team on Hard Knocks, Hard Knocks during the regular season here. So, all right, let, let's get Matty Berfloos mic'd up. Uh, the mic'd up clip is him using his, you know, his hits uh, acronym and and using a lot of, you know, sort of coachy, coach-speaking types of things. That's what 99% of football coaches sound like. And so, you know, I know it doesn't necessarily speak to the, the sports nerd that, that is within uh, a lot of us here at the station, but – I think the expectations might be a, a bit odd if you don't think that that's what football coaches are going to sound like. I mean, you know, any anything like Sean McVay, if, if Sean McVay is mic'd up at a practice, I know he's viewed as the, you know, the, the football nerd out there from a coaching perspective. I guarantee you Sean McVay sounds like that the majority of the time he's on the practice field, too. You're spending a lot of time. You know, trying to connect with players who are across the field somewhere. You're, you're you're trying to teach and and coach at rapid paces. You're trying to get things that to to ingrain in people's brains and and things to kind of stick with them mentally. And so, yes, you end up using acronyms. You end up using catchphrases. You end up teaching in a repetitive manner. And a lot of times, even when you're getting into sort of fundamental things, a lot of it does end up coming back to coach speak. So even guys who I view as like high level. Football teachers, you know, like Tony Dungy, I would view as a football teacher, somebody who, who talked a lot. And, of course, Matt Eberflus learned from Tony Dungy, who, you know, he learned that the Tampa 2 went and studied it from Dungy back in 03. He was talking to the media about that today. And, you know, guys like, like David Shaw at the collegiate level, a, a football teacher type, getting into the granular fundamentals of things. Ed Donatel, who was Vic Fangio's defensive backs coach, while he was here in Chicago towards the end, and then went out to to Denver with Fangio as, as Vicks DC, Ed Donatel was my defensive coordinator when I was in Atlanta with the Falcons. Ed Donatel had a lot of the same principles, but he is he's a guy. If you're just having a conversation with Ed Donatel, strikes you as a as a deep thinker, as a, as a guy kind of a highbrow sort of football mind type. But when you're just in in the meeting room with Ed Donatel or with most football coaches, or if you're on the practice field with them, like as opposed to what was it? I think um, what was it the the some like the the shirts, the ball hawk shirts that uh, that Eberflus was talking about today? Ed Donatel didn't have ball hawk shirts. He had what he called the shark award, where when somebody got a takeaway in a game, Ed Donatel would give him the shark award. These are just very common things that coaches do. If any of you think back to when you were taught in school, teachers use the same sort of techniques and tactics just to get things to become rote memory, written memory. Uh, you, you have, you know, your visual learners, your auditory learners, your kinesthetic learners. There's a lot of different ways that folks retain information, and so usually football coaches, after they spend time drawing something up on the board, showing it to you on the video, getting you out on the practice field, walking you through it, talking you through it, and then having you go through those motions on the field, a lot of coach speak sounds very, very repetitive and very coachy because that's the way most coaches. Communicate, so it, it doesn't. uh Nothing about that drew up any sort of red flag on my radar. Hearing it from Matt Eberflus, but I, I don't know, Studs. What do you think? Are you you with the sports nerds here? That he he sounds too footbally, too coachy for your liking?
4: No, I don't care about that. Like I'm with you because it just it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. It, it sounds corny, I know, but like when a coach in a press conference starts talking like that, I just tune it out because it doesn't matter. Like yeah. that's that's for the players, really. Mm-hmm. And and they had uh, Parkinson Spiegel had a, a former player on the afternoon show whose whose name is escaping me right now. Hold on, Anthony Costanzo. Yeah. And he talked uh-huh. about like, yeah, this stuff works. Like motivating players works. And and this is an example just from my own life in high school, and I know this is high school. It's a little different. It it might not apply to the pros, but in high school, my senior year, we were changing defenses, and we were going from a 4-3 to a a 3-5, which is like, you know, an attacking Mm -hmm. downhill style of defense. And so specifically for the linebackers, which is what I was playing, it was like a completely different mentality, even just pursuing to the football when you get flow going away from you. Mm -hmm. So what it had been, my first three years in high school was if you get flow away from you, you just pursue over the top of the line. So, but this, for this new defense, the whole thing was because it was attacking and downhill and making plays in the backfield. Our coach wanted us to crash the backside a gap. If we got flow away Okay, and he beat into our heads, flow away, backside a, all summer, mm. full away backside a, it, mm. it, it annoyed the hell out of us, but it worked. <laughs> like it was because because I still to this day, it's been what twelve years, and I still think, oh, full away backside a, yeah, I, <laughs> like I I gotta crash, I gotta crash. And, right? and 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 first of all, it also worked because anytime someone tried to counter on on us, I ran into the fullback trying to counter. So <laughs> anyway, that, but like that stuff works. And again, I know it's high school and pros are different, but it you know oh, I feel you. It, that stuff that stuff can work. And so it also. Again, us for the media, you know, Bernstein and whoever, like, they, they get annoyed by it because it's just coach speak, but it's not uh-huh. for us. It's just not. <laughs> so, it's,
2: whatever. That's the thing. We're basically, when you ask a coach, like, so how do you coach this thing? And then he starts talking to you like a coach in, in the same way that he coaches things. But, yes, it is not intended for the for the enjoyment of the collective media in that setting. Uh, but let, let's hear a little bit before we take a timeout and then we'll, we'll open up some phone lines here at 6767. six, four, four, six, seven, six, seven. Let's play another cutter to from uh, from Flues, as they call him, Matt Eberflus. Let's get some of that in. And you referenced the, the adjustment to the defense from what the bears have been running the odd front, the three, four. Now uh, the apparent plan is to go to a four, three. And I, I respected the fact that the groats posed this question and Matt Eberflus was, was unapologetic and very definitive about his answer. Yeah, so this is this will be the third
3: time that we switch, you know, from a a 3-4 to a 4-3 or that I've been involved in that switch over. But will we have elements and pieces of a 3-4? Sure, we have that. We're going to adjust and move and be flexible. Uh, We're going to look at the talents and skill level of the players we have, and we're going to coach and develop those guys. And we'll fit our scheme around those players.
2: But the foundational pieces won't change in terms of how we play. And I I, I like that not just because, you know, he obviously knows the defense he likes and he's sticking with what he's been running in Indianapolis, but the fact that he wasn't wishy washy about it. I think there were a couple of different things that I that I respected about just the sort of sort of definitive nature that they spoke about things. I think that's one example of it, just him him very definitively saying you know, when asked the question, because a lot of coaches may have stepped to the podium and said, well, we'll figure it out and it doesn't really matter. And, you know, we gotta evaluate what the players are going to do. And that's not necessarily untrue, but it sounded like a guy who knows exactly what he knows, what he likes, but then also threw in the caveat that it can adapt and will adapt you know, to the strength of his players. It won't be 100% of the time, the one thing. All this will obviously be evaluated once they actually step onto the field. But if we're looking at this through a positive lens, he sounded like a guy who, who knew, what he wanted to run, what he felt like he could teach. And he did speak about evaluating this roster. Before we take a time, let's actually, do we have that clip studs where, where I think it was actually both Iberflues and Poles spoke a little bit about the roster itself. I think Hub asked them the question about this roster, what they sort of took from it, how they assessed it, and how that factored into their willingness to accept these jobs.
5: Yeah, before any interview, you need to take the time to know, you know, what that team has and what it needs. So that was, you know, a big factor in terms of this interview.
3: Yeah, I would say that it starts really from, you know, when you look at it, you know, what's the potential? I know potential is a taboo word in football, but, um, you know, what's, what's the dynamic of the team? You know, starting with the leadership with George, you know, of the support um, that he's going to give in, in, in the Chicago Bears you know what that brings to the table. And then certainly you look at that. That's, that's a big piece of it.
2: And so both guys in, in the notion in, in the fact that they both said that they've seen this roster, they've evaluated this roster, again, unsurprising, but first opportunity to hear it directly from them that going through the interview process, you check out what's there at, at this particular site, at that franchise that you may get offered a job from that you may accept a job from and sort of assess. And both these guys over the last two seasons have had these potential opportunities come up. Both have interviewed, you know, Eber as a head coach polls as a general manager. And so they've continued to assess exactly what they feel they want, what would suit them. And in evaluating this bears opportunity, part of that evaluation of the roster was that, Not only from Ryan Pohl's perspective does he think it's a roster that he can shape into a winner in quick fashion, but from Iberfus's perspective, as a guy who's been running defenses at the NFL level, and again, you know, that goes to the whole, like, are we worried about him being, you know, like does that feel like more of a college thing dude's been coaching in the nfl for over a decade like he knows how to communicate with professional athletes that's that's a little bit laughable for if we're worried about whether or not a guy can communicate with pros he's been communicating with pros and doing it at a high level for over a decade so that at least for me that's not a concern of mine does it translate to being a head coach can he win as a head coach that's going to come down to how's he leading his staff how's he developing his talent what decisions he's making on fourth down whether or not he can communicate with players out, I'm personally not worried about that because he's been doing it apparently effectively for quite a while here. But specific to the, the way that the that the roster itself factored into their decision, he was very definitive in in the thought that that he can run a 4-3 with this group. And I was talking to Dan, I was talking to Bernstein about that uh, late last week. Just that yeah, that adjustment from 3-4 to 4-3 because you have, especially because you have Mac and Quinn who play the edge with this defense in this scheme, they've both been defensive ends for the bulk of their career before, you know, spending more of the time in a two-point stance here in Chicago. So I think that, you know, the depth at linebacker, you gotta make sure you beef that up a little bit more. But as far as just having guys who can play the edge, Travis Gibson played the edge with his hand in the dirt. Plenty here in Chicago early in his career. Did it the bulk of the time he was in college. So it feels to me like that switch on, you know, just from a macro perspective, big picture wise, isn't necessarily a huge deal anyway, but it seems to me within the front seven, there's certainly personnel here in Chicago who can do that at a high level also. You do want to continue to beef up the depth at, at a variety of spots.
4: And, Ant, I, I have a question off that yeah. that I want to pose to you because this is something that I've, I've been discussing with my friends. And, like, the the switch from a 3-4 to a 4-3 in the modern NFL, even just from 15 years ago, like, the lines between those two, just from what I see... The lines between those two defenses are—it's much closer than it used to be, like the 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 the, and especially with just the way the NFL teams build their rosters currently, where you have two guys on the edge that are going to attack the quarterback, like that's a principle in both of those defenses. So the switch right. is much easier to do now than it was, like say if the Bears in 2005 wanted to switch from. A three four to a four three a to a three four. It would have been much more difficult for them mm-hmm. because of the way their roster was built. But rosters are built differently now. These players are much more amenable. That's. Do you see the same thing that, that, that I am there?
2: Yeah. No, I think that's definitely accurate, does Because the the way that defenses are structured, you know, you, you see so many of the college principals coming to the NFL now, and so there's a lot of you know just kind of the the blanket term is edge defenders and. A lot of times people will just use them as space backers like, you know, Leonard Floyd, who's had obviously success in the few seasons he's been with the Rams in L.A. Now, the Bears really they were hoping for the where and and when they drafted Leonard Floyd as a top 10 pick. They wanted to sort of morph him into a dominant pass rusher. He never became that. He still really isn't that. But that doesn't matter while he's surrounded by so much other front seven talent with the Rams. But the space backer. That's, that really suits Leonard Floyd well. You know, being a guy who can play in a two-point stance, who can set the edge, who also can be a pass rusher, and both Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn are more than capable of doing that. We've seen them as dominant pass rushers, but we also see them at times dropping into coverage, playing that space backer responsibility, and there's still going to be plenty of that that happens, even if it's sort of that four-down alignment, maybe a little more frequently just in terminology than what we've seen here in the past. is the phone number if you want to call and get involved in the discussion here. We got plenty more sound to play from Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. And at the top of the 8 o'clock hour, we were here from Bears great Olin Krutz. His opportunity here on the score to share some of what he thought and what he heard from the new Bears brass that we heard from at House Hall today. But going to open up the phone lines. Would love to hear from you out there. Your thoughts, your questions. Are you excited? Are you in a wait and see mode? Did you hate everything you heard there everyone is allowed to address their opinion we'll open up the phone lines and hear from you on all those topics and perhaps some other things as well here on chicago sports radio 670 the score
3: Okay, I might say it a different way. I might put it, say track shoes or some other type of shoe, but.
2: <laughs> oh, that was Matt Aperflus, new Bears head coach, talking about running, talking about effort, intensity, all these things required in the sport of football. And that is from everyone I've spoken to about him. It's unsurprising from the press conference today that that was a big part of his brand. It's always been a part of his brand as a coach and. Frankly, it, it is important, and I think any of us who were watching and at times frustrated by moments from the Bears' defense, and I know so many of you out there were, to see a, a more concerted attention to detail, more more consistent effort and intensity on the field is huge, and it's not as simple as just saying that, well, since this guy's cutting a big check, then that just means he's going to show up and give his all at every moment. That's just not how life works in general. You know, if, if you're somebody who loves working out more often than not, if you got like a, a strength coach, a conditioning coach, some kind of workout consultant, if you go to a health club and you sign up for a health class, you, if you're in a spin class, man, there's a reason Peloton has gone through the roof for its popularity, even though you've got all these shows coming out with folks just dropping like flies, riding Pelotons on these TV shows lately, but folks get additional motivation from coaches. Now the type of message that comes from that can vary from one to the next and what that comes down to is your connection with the players the connectivity you have with the guys that you lead and a lot of different leadership styles work better in some cases than they do in others but We can't just assume that because a guy is a pro or because a guy is making a lot of money that he is just self-motivated at all times. This is not how these things work. If it was the case, we obviously have prominent examples in this city of players on the Bears and even on this Bears defense that has been dragging the Bears offense along with it for several seasons. Now we see defenders like Eddie Jackson where that question has come up really frequently and prominently here over the last few years and, you know, whether it's touching a guy down, whether it's missing a tackle, you name it, there are things that you do need it repetitively sort of beat into your head for these things to become Pavlovian in your approach to how you're actually completing your assignments on the field. You were talking about it a moment ago, studs, with things that as you went through a defensive change in high school and there are so many times, so many examples that are constantly in my head from the the repetitive voice of coaches at the professional level, at the collegiate level, where there are messages that just get ingrained into your head. And so those, those best principles that get communicated to you, that get forced into you over and over again, those are the things that stick with you. And even for professional athletes, your technique can get flawed, your attention to detail, your finish can get flawed and the best teams at their best are the ones who are able to maximize, to capitalize on those moments let's get out to the phone lines at 312-644-6767 we got the the phone lines opening right now the score listener line is powered by betql bet smarter and beat the books download the betql app today or visit betql.com you can also text at 312-644-6767 as well the text zone brought to you by Hyundai of algonquin save time shop online at rosenhunday.com got sean who is out in tenley park what's happening sean
0: hey hey thanks for taking my call I appreciate it so much it's a pleasure hearing you sometime on Lawrence's show and uh, first time calling into you and it's a pleasure to speak with you and I also appreciate the frustration you feel with score personalities
2: <laughs> yeah I mean there's there, there's times where just you know where the uh, I think the, the sports intelligentsia doesn't necessarily appreciate how these things operate at, at some time. So, yeah, I feel you on that. What you got on your mind, though, Sean?
0: <laughs> hey, respect, right? It all begins with that, I think, from leadership. And I heard Sean Lee on All Bears Access earlier this week. And all he said, you could tell just from his tone that um, Flus had his respect as a coach. And I think that's how you get the best out of people. Coaches, responsibility is to get the best out of people. And I've worked for large companies. I work for a large company right now. And the CEO doesn't know everything about everything. You have to hire people that can get the respect of people in those positions, those position coaches, and build a culture around that. And two more points. Hustle. Man, you have got to have hustle in the field. That's just it. It, I coach – I'm an old guy, right? I have a a little piss week, 14-year-old, that I coach baseball. And he's not the biggest, fastest, or strongest. And I wasn't either, right? But you had better hustle every time you have the opportunity to do it. I don't care if it's going to get a drink of water, right? Everybody go get a drink of water. You better hustle to go get it. And I guarantee you, you'll talk to Olin next, you know, later tonight. I'm sure that he enjoyed everything that he heard from the podium today.
2: I would agree that's probably going to be the case. We'll talk to the great Olin Krutz in just a few minutes. Appreciate the call, Sean. Got another caller on the line. We got, I believe it's Swede, who is out in Wilmette. Swede, what's happening?
0: Oh, Anthony. Yeah, Hawkeye from 1966. Oh, okay. Go Hawks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, my question is related to the Hawkeyes. uh, I've heard some adverse comments about Sam Mustapha and his performance. And what your thoughts are on having Hawkeye James Daniels return to the center, which I would like to hear about uh, Olin um uh, comments, too
2: right yeah and i've I've talked to to Owen about that a little bit on the post post show that we tend to do here on the score throughout the football season. We've been doing that together for the last few years, and I think there's potential for that, and you know i don't I don't necessarily go into it, assuming especially with somewhat limited draft capital and some decisions that have to get made even with the salary cap and how the bears go about boning up the offensive line. best case scenario, they definitely need to increase the depth now if in the end that means that they feel great about where they're at if they bring in some additional guard depth and maybe new guard starters then maybe you get James Daniels who knows or Cody Whitehair back to the center position now Whitehair obviously had a lot of issues getting the, the shotgun snapped down on a consistent basis so in theory if James Daniels is at a point in his career and his development where where the Bears can feel competent Confident that he's competent at center, can make all the calls and all the checks, then I think yeah that that gives the offensive line an overall upside that's higher than what they get from Sam Mustafer on the inside. But that being said, I, I don't think Sam Mustafer was was as awful as as it seems a lot of folks indicate. And on the whole, we're seeing a team in the Super Bowl. This is the thing. This is something I I actually talked to Lawrence about this when Matt Nagy first got hired before Matt Nagy had even taken the practice field there are ways because back then it was, it was Charles Leno and Bobby Massey that everybody was really, really worried about. And I was telling Lawrence within the structure of, of the offensive system that Matt Nagy was bringing there, this should allow the bears to be able to cover up for some of the frailties in the offensive line, like Charles Leno and Bobby Massey, neither one of them was as awful as what I think a lot of folks were, were beginning to sort of perceive them as, but, there are ways that between competent quarterback play and perhaps even above average quarterback play, but then also just in the play calling. And one of the things you've heard me repeatedly over years that Matt Nagy was here as Bears coach remind folks of is that play calling can take pressure off your offensive line physically because you you can move the launch point. You can have balance to, to run and pass in your play calling. And that can take some of the physical pressure off of the offensive line because that defensive front isn't just teeing off on a stationary launch point over and over again with a drop-back approach to throwing the football, and then it can also take mental pressure off of the quarterback. You, you pressure quarterbacks and offensive lines in either of two ways, physically or mentally, and it was too frequent in Matt Nagy's time here that he allowed opponents to be able to do both because they could just tee off on frequent passing and a stationary launch point, and really until this past season, it didn't become a more consistent thing as he went back to Bill Lazor calling the plays that you you did see pressure off of a young quarterback mentally, pressure off of an offensive line physically. So Sam Mustafer, if you know, if James Daniels proves that he can really hold down center better, then yeah, I could see that being a move that the Bears make. But on the whole, I'm going to be more concerned with boning up the skill position talent. I'm going to be more concerned with you know what the Bears do in enhancing the overall offensive personnel, and again, like I was talking about earlier in the show, Luke Getze, first time calling plays in the National Football League. That that's a big deal. That's not something you go into with blinders on, just assuming anything about it. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. We got some more cuts that I want to play from you, uh, for, play for you from the Bears brass that was there at the podium today, and also share a couple of more thoughts specific to how the the Bears approach can be enhanced, can improve as we move forward here. We'll do that next on the score.
0: I think Iberflus is a real challenge. I think it's going to be hard. I think when you look at what they did defensively in Indianapolis, especially at the end of the year, it's going to be hard for him. He's going to have to be more adaptable like Dan Quinn was in Dallas this year. You know, I have a feeling the Indies defense will get better next year whomever they hire. So I think Iberflus has really got a huge challenge in front of him.
2: Michael Lombardi is on BetQL QL this morning. He's talking about the transition that Matt Eberflus will have to go through here in Chicago and also his thoughts on what's going to happen with the Colts defense heading towards next season. But um, the the big and the, the understandable concern that would be there in hiring a defensive coach is who really the the whole staff will be just from a development perspective. We heard Matt Eberflus talking about development Uh, a couple of different times throughout his media availability today. But then, of course, specifically on the offensive side, because he's been a successful defensive coach in the NFL for years now. And, you know, all his Colts defenses, they stopped the run, all his Colts defenses, they took the ball away. That's a big influence that he had from, you know, Tony Dungy. And we, of course, saw that on display with Levy Smith here with the Bears. And so there'll be a lot of those similar tenets and, and principles that will be on display moving forward with the Matt Eberflus defense, but the offensive side is is where, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I love the fact that that he's going to, when he makes that defensive higher, he's going to leave that up to someone else to do it. But how will the Bears offense function? And what will having Matt Eberflus as the head coach, what will that mean for his influence on the Bears offense? So a couple of things he, he spoke about. Loho actually had him on Lawrence Holmes, had both Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus join him on his show today after they got done addressing the assembled media in person. And Lawrence asked Matt Eberflus specifically for his thoughts on Justin Fields. And when he was addressing that, I liked the fact that, you know, not only did Lawrence pose the question, but I thought overall Matt Eberflus gave what seemed like a fair answer since he's never been with Justin Fields. He's broken the huddle, never coached a game he's played in, but Just from the perspective of of what he's at least evaluated up to this point, here was his response to Lawrence.
5: What I saw was potential to be a really good quarterback. Um, And we have to do our job to surround him with really good players and to surround him with protection. And like I mentioned in the press conference, this is the most important piece. Find out what he does well and do that a lot. And then the weaknesses we attack and get better at. I think that right there should be the plan. It will be the plan. And we should see him get to his best.
2: And one of the things Lawrence asked him as well, uh, specific to the offense also, is something that, that he and I have talked about a couple of different times. And Lawrence has mentioned that you know, it kind of frustrated him during Lovey Smith's time here, just in Lovey not necessarily overtly looking to influence the Bears' offense and the way Lawrence terms it is, is reverse engineering the Bears' offense. And I'm glad he asked Matt Eberflus about that as well. And and part of what what Lawrence is talking about there when he's using the term reverse engineering the offense is specifically having a defensive coach who, you know, even though Matt Ibervloos won't be calling the defensive plays snap by snap part of that just points towards he will still have his overall influence on defense. There may be some times where maybe he even gets on the headset and says, Hey, here's exactly what I want you to run here. Since it's likely going to be his defensive scheme on offense, that feels less likely <laughs> with a defensive head coach, even though the greatest of all time, Bill Belichick has done that at times in, in new England and literally called the offensive plays, but wouldn't expect Matt Eberflus to be doing that right off the bat. But in having his influence on the bears offense, He's been doing it at a high level, coaching defense in the NFL and major college level for years now. So how will that look in in trying to reverse engineer what his influence can mean for the Bears offense?
0: Absolutely. I absolutely do believe that. And
3: that's a great way to to say it. Um, It's like a dual education that we're going to give the quarterback. And we're also going to I'm going to be over in the offensive staff helping them, you know, understand techniques and fundamentals of certain coverages and the tells that the defense gives things away at. And then how can we attack that offensively? And then how can we attack that, you know, in our quarterback play? So I'm excited about, you know, working, you know, with Luke and the offensive staff uh, to be able to do that um, this offseason leading up into the OTAs.
2: And he mentioned Luke, of course, Luke Getzey, who's been announced as the Bears offensive coordinator, is the the quarterback coach in Green Bay in recent seasons. And like I said earlier, uh, Luke Getzey, he's obviously an unproven commodity in a variety of ways. He's been around successful offenses in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers has been (laughs) the quarterback in Green Bay uh, all the seasons that Luke Getzey has been there. So it certainly says something for him that he's been on staffs that have had successful offenses reportedly and, you know, it would stand to reason that Aaron Rodgers has thought highly of Luke Getzey because he's been there in two different stops, two different stays in Green Bay. And he worked directly with Aaron Rodgers, but he has never called a play in the National Football League that fell on a, on Matt LaFleur with the Packers. But Lawrence also asked when he had Ryan Poles on his show, he asked him for his thoughts on Justin Fields as well. And I think that, you know, to to have both of them, you know, be willing to say, you know, neither one necessarily sidestepped it to any, you know, in any overt manner, just to say, oh, I haven't watched him yet. We got to evaluate him, this and that. You know, Lawrence asked both and both. And in this case, we've already heard from Matt Eberflus, but he also asked Ryan Poles for his thoughts on the Bears' young quarterback.
5: What I saw was potential to be a really good quarterback. Um, and we have to do our job to surround him with really good players and to surround him with protection. And like I mentioned in the press conference, this is the most important piece. Find out what he does well and do that a lot. And then the weaknesses we attack and get better at. I think that right there should be the plan. It will be the plan. And we should see him get to his best.
2: Thing is, we heard the previous regime say things along those lines on on multiple occasions. We we heard that. I'm not going to say a frequent or consistent basis, but I'm sure we could find a cut of Matt Nagy saying something along those lines, trying to highlight Mitch's strengths, trying to highlight Justin's strengths this past season that didn't consistently actually come out in the play calling, certainly for Mitch Trubisky. And then, you know, you're dealing with a rookie quarterback in Justin Fields this year, who was not the starting quarterback for the entirety of the season. But it's great, at least in the first media availability, that makes all the sense in the world. That's how you set your quarterback up, for success, that's how the Buffalo Bills set Josh Allen up for success, especially early in his career. The duel that we saw two weeks ago with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, that that would have been uh, like in in Josh Allen's early time in Buffalo, that would have been bringing a, a slingshot to a bazooka fight. He was not the passer; he did not have the acumen early in his career to try and go toe to toe with Pat Mahomes in a pass fest. Now he does because the Buffalo Bills brought him along game by game, season by season, and now his gifts are more fully realized and on display. But early on it was about what can Josh Allen do? What is he great at? Let's focus on those things. And so hopefully, you know, just in everyone learning those lessons and some of the lessons that have come from Kansas City with Ryan Poles, from Indy with Matt Eberflus, it sounds like each each of them is on a similar accord with how much of a focus that needs to be for this Bears offense one of the great players on offense or anywhere for the Chicago Bears in their history is Olin Krutz my partner on the Bears post post show him take a time out and you will hear from him he will join me next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours